It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Yeah. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Today, it's me, your boy, Jay King from MassLive.com, and it's just me. It's going to be a solo pod. I'm going to be taking your questions, doing a little mailbag. I'll probably try to keep it a little short. Got a men's league playoff game tonight. I'm actually recording from from the parking lot right before the game, so hopefully this will come out all right. Hopefully, you guys won't hate the solo pod. Hopefully, you guys will love it. Um, Celtics, obviously, 24-6. and six. Kyrie Irving has just been on a ridiculous streak the last month. A lot is going right for the Celtics. Al Horford coming back from his rest Friday night. Got some good stuff going on. Let's let's get to these questions now. We'll we'll start with the first one from from my friend Tyler Yeats. He's he's been hounding me about this one. I, it's it's a good question. He he wanted wanted me to say what has been my favorite memory. From covering the Celtics, I, I might have shared this on the podcast before. It was pro- probably my favorite memory is is my first night on the Celtics beat, and I was freelancing for some newspaper from Connecticut. I forget what it was even called, and I walked in. I, th- I thought I was going to be just shell shocked to to see Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and a lot of the guys. I had never covered any type of game before, not. High school sports, not college sports, certainly not an NBA game, and I was a huge Celtics fan growing up, so it was, it was all kind of nuts to me that I was allowed to go to the garden and go in the locker room, and when I walked in, one of the first people I walked by was Kevin McHale, and I almost had to pinch myself like, damn, this is wild. I think he was doing the game for TNT back then. This was a while ago. So I walked by Kevin McHale. Walk into the the press room, and just it's a small little press room. I set up my stuff. I go to the locker room, whatever. I, I wasn't as as starstruck to to talk to the player. It was it was my job, so I, I treated tried to treat it like a job at least, and talk to all the players on the team in the locker room, or at least whoever would talk. And I went back went back into the Celtics media room, and there's Bob Ryan sitting there. I swear to God. I like started shaking, like my body was shaking. And it was funny because I thought it would be the players that I was most excited to see. But instead it was Bob Ryan, the legendary writer, the a guy who really kind of set the the stage for, for guys like me. And and it was it was Bob and, and meeting Bob who that really did it for me. And I went over and introduced myself and we had a little talk and I'm sure he doesn't remember it at all. But but I certainly do. I was 
I was shaking, man. So, yeah, that that was probably probably my favorite one. I, I would say that has to be my favorite one. We'll get into the other questions now, more about the, the regular team. We'll start off with Crusader Bit Software. Is Hayward's injury worse than Paul George? Reason I ask is Paul George had a bad year before he came back to form. Hoping Hayward can be back to form quicker whenever he returns. It's kind of weird to me that, that people keep trying to jam Hayward and George's injuries together. And I, I, I get it to a certain extent. You know, they were both horrific injuries. They two, two of the most shocking injuries to watch that, that I've ever watched live. And obviously I was there in person for the Hayward injury and it was just, oh, it was indescribable what it felt like in that arena. But they're two different injuries. Hayward's in the ankle. I think George's was higher up in his leg. George, I think he just broke his leg. Hayward had the dislocated ankle and the, the broken ankle. So they're two totally different things. I, I assume two, definitely two totally different places of the bone. They might be two different bones. I'm not entirely sure. But I don't think George's recovery will have anything to do with Gordon Hayward's. I do think that if you expect Gordon Hayward to come back 100% right away, you're expecting a lot. And there's going to be an adjustment period, whether it's whether it's next season in the preseason or whether it's later this season, he is going to take some time to get back to full speed. You don't just hop back on an NBA court and suddenly you're good. You know, Right now he, he just got out of his walking boot. He's still in an ankle brace whenever he walks. I, I know people are happy about the way he's walking, the way he's moving in videos and stuff like that, but like he's just walking. He, he can't put, obviously, all of the weight on that foot. There's there's a lot a lot of strides he needs to make before he gets back on the court. And once he gets back on the court, it's going to take him a little while. Like like Paul George, I guess there is a correlation there, but it's going to take him time before he's back. And he'll need to fit in fit back in with the Celtics. The good news is he's a super easy player to play with for everybody. It's going to be on the fly. Gordon Hayward will make everybody's life easier. When you think about, like, Kyrie and Al Horford running a pick and roll with Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and Jason Tatum as as the other three guys facing the court. I mean, holy hell. Watch out league. That's just so much explosiveness. So much so many dynamic players everywhere. So they're gonna be great when he gets back to full health. I don't know when that will be. And I don't know how long it'll take once he gets back on the court. If I were the Celtics, I'd be a little afraid of throwing him out in a playoff series. It, it it would be preferable to me and to them and to Hayward, of course, to come back, I think, toward the end of the regular season and kind of kind of work his way back. Uh, another question. How surprised – this from Rob Sony, Sony1056. How surprising is it to you that Semi Ojale is not only able to have the foot speed as a rook, but more importantly being able to play with power and leverage on the defensive end? Has really surprised me how effective he has been. Yeah, Ojale, defensive monster. I mean, he's as strong as they get. He's got quicker feet than anyone his size should have. He tried to dunk on someone the other night, which was an enjoyable experience, although Kenneth Freed blocked him. I I wasn't ready for Air Ojale, even though I'd seen some of the college highlights. Um, The thing with Ojale, though, is if you're going to be a 3 and D guy, 
you've got to be a three-point shooter. And the Celtics have run into problems recently because teams are starting to leave Ojale. And they're able to help off him. They're able to muck things up elsewhere. Ojale should be a three-point shooter. I think he will develop into a three-point shooter. Right now, he shot like 42% in college his last season. But right now, he's struggling, struggling from deep. I mean, I think it's a confidence thing. It looks like he almost doesn't want to shoot the ball sometimes. Really hesitant, reluctant. So they got to they gotta figure out a way to get him to knock down some shots because the only way he has the greatest value to the Celtics is if he can be that 3 and D guy. He's never going to be a dynamic scorer. I do think he has more stuff to his off-the-dribble game that he hasn't shown. I do think he'll, he'll grow as someone who can drive closeouts and, and create plays for himself, maybe others that way. But his real value offensively is going to be spacing the court and knocking down shots. If he's not doing that, he doesn't have a lot of value offensively. So he needs to pick that up. But yeah, defensively, there's nothing not to like. I mean, that, that kid is advanced, advanced, especially for a rookie at, at such a young age. He's just very, very talented defensively. Um, this, is, this is an interesting question from Murph underscore VT. Five to ten years out, what does Brad's coaching tree look like? Who among his assistants and players are coaching in the league? That's a good question. Um, I I think they've got a number of coaches who have the potential to go elsewhere. What's what's kind of surprising to me is that nobody has, has really moved on yet. I guess Darren Ehrman left. Um, I'm, I'm probably forgetting somebody. Ronald Norred left for the college ranks. Uh, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but they haven't had much overturn on Brad's staff so far. I think if if you look at right now, I think Jay Laranega could be one of the guys who gets a job at some point. I think Micah Shrewsbury is another guy who could get a job at some point. I think there there's a there's just a lot of talent on on that staff. You know, Jamie Young, he he's another talented coach. Kenny Graves, that they've got they've got a lot of sharp minds. Brandon Bailey, who's coaching the main Red Claws, everybody raves about how how he how much he knows defense. So it's hard to anticipate what those guys will do. It's hard to know exactly how much they contribute because as as coaches, as assistant coaches, you know, you don't know what they do unless unless you're with the team every day. Um, but yeah, you hear a lot of good things about really everybody on their bench. It, it seems like they have a very very talented coaching staff, very committed coaching staff, and very positive coaching staff. Um, NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Murph with another question. My man Murph, active. Cavs with Isaiah Thomas seems scary come playoffs. What Celtics lineup will best exploit IT's defensive problems? Lots of size to hope for a post-up situation or speed lineup to prevent Cavs from switching to protect IT. Um, I, I mean, you could post up Isaiah. He's kind of sneaky okay at defending post-ups. He's, he's not as bad as his, his height would suggest, and posting up guys unless teams come with a double team, which can be bad, is is not necessarily a an efficient way to score. Um, I, I, I'm interested. I, I hope the Celtics and Cavs play in the playoffs, man. There's just so much juice to that matchup. The Kyrie-LeBron thing, the Isaiah-Boston thing, the, the Crowder-Boston thing. I, I, I do think that it would be just a, a marvelous series. And, and I, it would be funny to see both teams kind of try to scheme to take advantage of the guy they traded away. Like the Celtics would go at Isaiah and the Cavs would go at Kyrie, even though he's been better defensively than I think most people anticipated. So I, I'm, I'm in. I, I need that series. Give me that series. Pump it into my veins. Please, please. Uh, Kendall J.W., is Kyrie putting teammates in better position to score, make plays in last year, even though all his passing stats are down? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I watched the Cavs a lot last year. I, I don't know if it's fair to say Kyrie has been a better playmaker. He's just great. The, the one thing that's impressed me the most is that he's scored, he's boosted his efficiency, and his true shooting percentage over the last month has been 66 which is just outrageous for a point guard. Ridiculous. Like that's, that's rare air. And he, it just, it seems like he keeps getting more, more and more comfortable. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thing that's, that's really impressed me about him is, is he hasn't really had that adjustment period. Like from, from day one, he's kind of been just really good. <laughs> and, and obviously he's been really good for a long time, but it, his role is entirely different. He doesn't have LeBron James anymore. The Celtics use him in different ways than the Cavs, who isolated him a lot. And there's still a lot of isolations for Kyrie, but I think it, it's more off movement and it's more off, you know, with actions without Horford, with with spaced out. It's not like go beat your man and get a bucket. It's it's kind of they're they're doing some different things with him. I do think he's been a very good playmaker. If you if you watch their games, the amount of attention he draws is ridiculous. And I, I think one of the maybe underrated or thing something that hasn't been pointed out enough is how easy he and Al Horford have made things for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You know, there's a lot made about how those guys are more ready than most guys their age, and that's hundred percent true. Tatum is ridiculous for a rookie. Jalen Brown has taken huge strides in his second year. 
those guys are more ready than any 19-year-old and 21-year-old should be. But also, like, playing off Kyrie and Al Horford makes everything easier for them. They don't have to create a lot. They they catch the ball and they drive closeouts or they have open threes. And everything is kind of simplistic for them. They don't have to go out and do go outside of what they can do right now. And I think Tatum should be even more aggressive. But, like, the opportunities he has are a lot different and a lot better than the ones he would have if he were playing for a lottery team. You know, if he, if he were playing for a lottery team, he might average 20, 25 points a game, but his efficiency wouldn't even be close to what it is. And a lot of that is because Kyrie draws so much damn attention. Go back and watch that Nuggets fourth quarter. It's, it's really stunning because they tried to double team him and they did a shit job. <laughs> he was just beating double teams. But they sent two guys at him basically every play. And when, when you're sending two guys at, at one, then it just makes everything so much easier for any, everybody else. And it's it's not so much that his his passing is next level, although he he's he's a good passer to very good passer. I don't I wouldn't put him in the elite passer category, but he's very, very good at it. Um, but he doesn't have to be as good because he just draws so much attention and everybody else is standing there to beat closeouts and the Celtics have other guys to make plays against secondary defense so Kyrie's been really good there's there's not a lot to complain about with what Kyrie has done this season um Jam Packard coming in with a question here here we go I like it since I can't record tonight shout out to Jam who's on a road trip any concerns about the defense I don't think so I mean Celtics have been basically average defensively over the last month I don't think there's any concerns it's just they're in the busiest part of their schedule it's it's natural to kind of let down a little bit defensively, especially they're still winning games. If if they were letting down defensively and losing games, or if they they haven't even dropped from their number one ranking in the defensive standing, so I'm not concerned about the defense at all. I think it's going to be really good when they need it to be really good, when they're fully rested, when they're not in five games in seven day stretches, when they're not in. 12 games and 19-day stretches when they're not in the most hectic part of their schedule, I think they'll be very stingy. The one thing that really concerns me is that the starting lineup with Al Horford and Marcus Morris, or you know, just lineups in general with Al Horford at the center and Marcus Morris at power forward, they haven't gotten stops, and they haven't gotten rebounds. And when those guys are out there, the Celtics kind of look like the worst part of what they were last year when they're kind of bleeding points and giving up too many rebounds and they they just look too small and not physical enough. So that's that's a concern to me, that specific pairing, just because when you look at Horford and when you look at Morris and what they've done for their careers, neither of them is a plus rebounder. Neither of them has elite size for the four or the five. Um, so that, to me, was a, a questionable pairing defensively and on the glass Going into the season and the fact that it hasn't proven otherwise is concerning. And they still sco- they've still they scored like like hell when those two guys are on the court, so that's a good thing. I, I believe they're still outscoring opponents. It's just they've kind of become run and gun with those two guys on the court. Um, but they've got to shore that up because come playoff time, you, you've got to be able to defend when you go smaller with those lineups. And some of those lineups with the versatility 
you're going to need that. You can't go big with Baines all the time. So that that is one thing they're going to have to shore up by the time the postseason arrives. The next question is from Jack Michael, Jack Michael seventeen, who wants Sam Packard, Sam Jam Packard, to go through Kyrie Irving's latest Instagram quote and pick his favorite parts. I <laughs> I feel like I couldn't possibly do that as much justice as Jam. It is an incredible Instagram post, truly magnificent, and right up the the reigning junk drawer type of line that that Sam has become accustomed to. We need we'll, we'll save that one for him. He's definitely going to answer that one though on a later podcast because I will make him do that if I have to. Um, next question from Dental. Denholm Harold, if the Rain and Jays could be in a bar fight with any of the other Locked On Podcast Network teams, who would you least want to scrap with? Hashtag it's go time. Um, I'm going to open this one up to all podcasts because the Locked On Podcast Network, there's no one who could touch us. I don't think you guys understand, like, Corrales is a big dude. I'm I'm not the biggest dude, but I'm kind of tough. And and Sam Jam Packard, my man, he's he's like as tough as a guest. He's a little scrapper, not even a little scrapper. He's relatively big scrapper. I think put us all together, and we're basically untouchable as a three man podcast crew. I'm trying to think of other podcasts that could potentially have anything to say to us in a fight that could potentially even damage us in any way and (laughs) the only podcast I can think of is the Richard Jefferson podcast with Channing Fry that they used to have for the Cleveland Cavaliers and that doesn't even exist anymore and I'm not convinced that Channing Fry would have a good chance of of beating John Corrales in a scrap. And I'm not convinced that Richard Jefferson would have a good shot against Jam Packard. And I'm certainly not convinced that two on three, they would have any chance against the reigning Jays. But that, to me, is probably the, the podcast that might have a shot just because, you know, they're... They're NBA players and professional athletes and stuff, and we may or may not be fat, out of shape, um, totally past our past our prime. So, yeah, I I think I don't think there's a podcast out there that would have a chance in a brawl against the reigning Jays. I, I actually believe that too. Like I'm trying to think. Of a podcast that would have a shot. And there's there's none that's coming to me. There's and it's not even close. Like we're we've we've have we have a physically formidable squad. And cl- clearly we're <laughs> we are past our prime and we are fat, except for Jam Packard. Actually Corrales got in shape too. I'll, I'll give Corrales credit for getting in shape. I guess I'm the only fat one. 
but I think I think I don't think there are many podcasts that could even touch us in a scrap. So I appreciate the question though. And in a bar fight, yeah, we're I mean we're the type we're the type of people we'll probably we'll probably dominate you in a bar fight. We'll probably smash a bottle over the top of your head. We will probably slam you through a table. We will probably kick your jaw while you're laying on the ground. And that's about it, man. That's that's how we roll. <laughs> that's really not how we roll. We are not at all a tough podcast. But we are kind of big. Honest, honestly, I would I would give us a, a pretty good chance in a bar fight against most podcasts. Um We've got that's that's about we're all we're just about all out of questions now, I think. So I appreciate all you guys for coming with the goods. I appreciate all of you for listening. I appreciate all of you for for interacting with us. I honestly it it weirds me out how many people care about our podcast. And I appreciate it. I really do. Like every day People tweet me that I don't know, and people sometimes people approach me. Every once in a while, people approach me, and it's it's just a really cool feeling that that some people actually listen to us. Because sh- shit, we're we're not guys <laughs> that, that that really deserve listeners, I guess. But I guess we are. We're 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 the greatest Celtics podcast. The only. Daily Celtics podcast. Search for us, Locked On Celtics, wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else. Search for us, Locked On Celtics. Give us a five star rating. All of that. Listen to us come back every day. We'll be here Monday through Friday to give you the only. The only daily Celtics podcast, the only Celtics talk that you can get every single day. We appreciate you listening. Sorry it was just a solo pod. Sorry it was a solo mailbag. I hope, hopefully, I came through a little bit for you guys so that you guys didn't hate this podcast. But I appreciate you anyway. Take care. Yeah, J. King and John Corrales. Locked on Celtics. Millies. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.